Hey, everybody. Welcome to Industry Headlines. He's Kevin Kaufman. I'm Fred Weaver. And this is a look at what's happened in the real estate and mortgage industry over the last week. So thanks for joining us. If you're listening in, listening in on the podcast, and for those of you watching live or recorded in our Next Level Agents Facebook group, glad to have you here. So Kevin, what's in store this week? Yeah, so we got a few uh, few headlines to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, EXPI stock. We're going to talk about mortgage lending surging and uh, CFPB. Excuse me, CFPB came out with a new update, uh, a QM patch, if you will, uh, for requirements on mortgages. So let's start Wait, at the top. You just say CFPB and then QM and then DTI and then. Like yeah, APR I'm, and it, I mean, how many? Yeah, more? I'm gonna say I'm gonna look for APR, APY, uh, a couple okay. other acronyms too, whatever I can come up with. Awesome. All right. Well, for those that don't know, EXPI is the stock symbol for the parent company of EXP Realty, and they're getting a lot of national attention, even outside the real estate industry. This week, they were listed as one of the top five buys, if you will, from the Nasdaq Stock Exchange. That was an article written in the last seven days. And Kevin, uh, their stock has uh, gone up fairly significantly. So I want to talk about not only has it gone up, but give us some insight on why is this happening. Yeah, I mean, obviously, well, yeah, I was going to say, let, let's be clear, my opinion, because this is, after all, the stock market. Nobody really knows anything. But, you know, I, I believe it's because of a couple of factors. Number one is uh, closing in what, on what will be the third consecutive quarter of net net profitability for those of you who don't know what I mean when I say net net profitability I mean the company EXP has actually been profitable for quite some time but they showed a loss because of the way accounting rules work with publicly traded companies and because issuing stock receiving stock for certain things is something that the company does um, they have to they have to do that at a loss if you will it has to on the books on paper it has to show as an expense because uh, if you give somebody something uh, that has value in it, even though it may not have cost you anything, you have to book an expense for that. So third consecutive uh, quarter, it looks like we're closing in on our on a net net profitable quarter. Uh, and then here is something interesting that I just picked up on, right, um, is the volume. So when I say volume, I mean the number of shares that are trading hands daily, right? And if you go look at any stock chart for all stocks, you can always see typically a 10-day rolling average of how many shares have changed hand in the last 10 trading days. And something I noticed yesterday as it was surging was that there was significantly more. It was at the time I looked and it wasn't quite the end of the day. It was like 50% more shares had changed hands yesterday. Something I always look for and I am not a stock advisor. Do not give stock advice. This is not stock advice. I want to make sure I get all of my disclaimers there is one of the things I'm always paying attention to when you see price changes either up or down is how many people are, you know, how does that, that volume look compared to the daily volume compared to say like the last 10 days on average, right? Because when there's more, that's typically a show of that's more, what more people are starting to feel. Uh, and so that, that rise or that drop in price is, could be more likely to stick, if you will, or could likely to be more accurate for the time being. So seeing the amount of shares change hand, change hands going up significantly in the last few days has been uh, a positive sign. And then um, lastly, I think part of the reason why is there's the real estate aspect of it, right? There's the whole COVID thing where um, obviously a company that is 100% virtual has a leg up in a lot of things when it comes to what we just dealt with as a country and, and really are still dealing with. But 
obviously that that plays across all sorts of other industries as well. And we talked about this in, in the past on the podcast, uh, but about a year and a half ago, EXP bought the company Verbella. Verbella is a separate entity that owns, that built the platform that we use for our virtual campus, for our office. We actually used it for, um, for an annual event here in May as well. And so that the numbers of other companies out, because that was not an EXP exclusive product. Um, there was other customers and the amount of customers now that are starting to use that as a product in their business, big companies too, um, started to, to go through the roof. Yeah. So in summary, what I hear you saying is number one, the stock has gone up. If you're interested in numbers on May 26th, it closed at $9 and 37 cents a share today, uh, Tuesday, June 23rd, it's been trading over $15 most of the day. A lot of significant growth here just in the past couple of days. Um, and, and for those that are going to be out there and say, well, EXP Realty hasn't been making money. Well, that's not true anymore. So for almost nine months in a row now, not only has cash on hand been going up for a couple of years, but nine months in a row now, net net profitability, as you said. But I think more so what's getting the attention of investors with, with EXPI, EXP World Holding Stock is, is the Verbella platform. So they just signed a deal and you can help me understand this, Kevin, if you can put it together better than, in words than I can. But they basically just put, just put together a partnership, if you will, with Vive XR Suite, where Verbella technology is actually going to be auto-installed on some computers around the world. Is that correct? Yeah. So HTC has come out with this suite of, a, of essentially cloud-based or virtual reality products for, uh, for people with, with on their built in on their, um, on their computers. Right. And so I know I want to say it was China. It's going to be coming out by like third quarter, which is right around the corner. It's going to start getting pre-installed. It's going to be one of a suite of, I believe five different tools, uh, in this Vive, uh, VR suite that, or excuse me, Vive XR suite that will provide more collaborative, uh, virtual environments for businesses of all sizes for things like remote work, learning events, social engagements, et cetera, as obviously, I mean, we've seen like, as an example, think of this, go look at the stock price for Zoom uh, and what that has done in the last six months and even in the last four months, right? Since, since shutdown started to happen, right? We've seen that go up. So very similar to that, the rest of the world is starting to adapt and going, okay, we have to have more, more tools, more suites, more things like this. Yeah. Cool stuff. All right. Well, anyway, I, I love it. Obviously, like you and I don't make any mistake about the fact we're EXP Realty agents, love agents from all brands. I just think it's really interesting watching the EXP Realty stock. When you compare it with other real estate companies, it's not following the same pattern right now. Neither are there profitability numbers, but obviously there's more to the story because they own more than just the realty company. So I want to explain that to folks today, why they're seeing that. Let's talk about mortgages, Kevin. So I'm just going to start with this. This wasn't the headline, but I'm going to give you a head. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you something I read this week that was sort of buried in another article. Currently, Kevin, applications for mortgages to purchase homes are running about 20% ahead of last year. That's from, the, uh, that's from the Mortgage Bankers Association, the MBA, the largest organization in the mortgage world. App purchase applications are running ahead 20% of last year. Like, like on March 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, any day I could pick in March, would you ever have guessed that purchase mortgage applications would be running ahead of last year? I don't think you could have found anybody that have made that bet. I mean, I never would have made that bet. That's for sure. I mean, obviously when you talk about applications overall, yeah, with refinances, I, I could say, okay, I see that. 
But when you talk about the purchase applications alone, like no. And if anybody says they saw that coming, they either have a great crystal ball or they're liars. Yeah. Um, and I mean, but the fact of the matter is now there's no way I would have guessed that. I mean, it's, it's pretty phenomenal when you look at the amount of demand that is going on right now. Yeah. So NBA came out and said, Kevin, that um, mortgage lending is going to surge to a 14-year high. That's combining both purchase applications and refi applications. So a 14-year high going all the way back to 06, right? Um, $2.65 trillion worth of mortgage mortgages is what's predicted here in 2020. So if you're in the mortgage industry, expect to see your busiest year ever since the housing bubble, right, of 2006. Uh, pretty, pretty crazy stuff. And also on the note of applications, purchase applications being ahead 20%, at one point, purchase applications dropped as, uh, as low as 35% below 2019. So not only like are we 20% ahead of 2019 here at late June, but at one point in this whole situation, so I'm going to call it late March, early April, we were actually 35% behind. So think of that growth just over the last couple of months. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, really, it's really kind of amazing when you think about it, um, when you take a look at everything and try to put it in perspective. And gosh, at this point, we've had so much stuff happen in 2020. I'm not sure we can really put it in perspective. Uh, I was talking with someone last week, uh, interviewing for an upcoming episode on the podcast, uh, who had done a lot of research in regards to impacts on renters and things that during the pandemic. And, you know, one of the things we kept talking about is like, I can't wait for, you know, three, five, three, five, maybe even 10 years from now to, to look back on what the impacts were, like what the long-term impacts were, the rebound times for certain things and how people really respond to this time. So interesting for sure. Never would have guessed that. But uh, anyways, I digress. Let's move on to the final headline of the week, which is the CFPB. Uh, sets to eliminate the DTI debt to income ratio for QM. Requirement Make sure you use all the abbreviations for, for the QM standards, uh, qualified mortgages for those of you who don't know QM yet. Uh, so the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, CFPB, announced Monday two notices of proposed rulemaking surrounded what's commonly known as the QM patch or again, the qualified mortgage patch or standards to would this would remove the debt to income ratio as a requirement uh, when it comes to underwriting mortgages, which is, which is interesting. Fred, tell us why, why that's an interesting change. Well, if you're in the industry, I think here's what you need to know. First of all, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are not bound by the qualified mortgage standards. We've talked about that on here before, but I think it bears repeating. So there's a lot of people in the mortgage industry that cry unfair or they cry foul play, right? That Fannie and Freddie get to operate under a different set of standards than they do. So many people have been, have been asking for a while now for this to be repealed. Um, but on the flip side, this doesn't mean that uh, all of a sudden lenders won't have any sort of standard by which they lend to people. If the DTI standard goes away, it will be replaced with some sort of alternative. One of the alternatives that's been thrown out is some sort of factor or differentiation between a loan's annual percentage rate or the APR and the average prime offer rate. And that's about all I can tell you, Kevin, because I'm not going to do the math on that. I understand how DTI works. I can divide my debt into my income pretty easily, taking my debts on my credit report. I don't know how this other factoring could work. But what I do know is I think most lenders are going to be happy with this decision because there's been many unhappy people that they've been playing by a different set of standards than Fannie and Freddie have for a while. So that's why it's significant. 
Yeah. So this will, I mean, at the end of the day, this opens up more lending. I, I mean, I, be, I just believe this is a move to provide even more liquidity into the market, which um, at this point, I'm not sure it's liquidity that we need as much as it is inventory, but that's a topic for another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you're right though. 43% is kind of the DTI ratio that that's uh, around right now. When I was originating mortgages at one time back in like 05, 06, like I remember that being even higher than that. So I think what they're trying to do here is they're trying to open up the, the, the room for people to be able to qualify for more mortgages for a larger purchase price or, you know, different refi situation or whatever it may be. So it'll be interesting to see, like we're already going back to our last headline, right? We're already going to see the biggest lending year ever. And then we might see the removal of, of this standard, which might open the floodgates for a few more people to qualify for some other stuff. So Stay tuned. That's what we have for you uh, for industry headlines. It's been an interesting week. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what's going on out there. It'd be interesting to see what the total number of uh, amount of inventory is nationally, Kevin. I asked that in our group earlier. That's not necessarily an easy number to get, but it appears that inventory um, also we should probably mention here in industry headlines is, is at almost one of its all-time lows for some markets throughout the country. You know, I've told some people I got licensed in 07 and when, when I got in, I can remember, I mean, there was literally 50, 57, 59,000 homes for sale when I got licensed. Um, and I remember you telling me like, you know, back in 05, you can remember a time when there's like 8,000 homes on the market. And I just remember I had such a hard time even contemplating that and even imagining what that could be like. And here we are now in, uh, in, in 2020, middle of 2020, we're really not far off of that in the greater Phoenix area. So to put that in perspective, again, when I got into uh, real estate, you can remember there being 59,000 homes for sale and we're, we're hovering right around what 10,000 or so right now in the greater Phoenix area. I mean, it's just, it's insane. The amount uh, how drastically low uh, the housing inventory is. And so hopefully some more people will respond to that post and kind of get a feel for a bunch of different markets. Yeah, I think the popular opinion of that post so far is we should change it from months of inventory to hours or days of inventory. So that'll tell you what's going on nationally in the market. So anyway, thanks for joining us for Industry Headlines. We hope you learned something. We definitely do. Uh, and love to hear your feedback. We'll see you back here next week. See you guys. Ow! Hey, it's Kevin and Fred. Do you have a referral for us here in Phoenix? There are 30,000 agents here that you could send them to. Why us? Well, for one thing, we'll keep you updated and you'll never have to track down your commission. We'll also make you look really good to your client. And best of all, it helps us keep all this content free. So go to kevinandfred.com slash referral to make the introduction. We'll take great care of them. Did you enjoy today's podcast? Join the Kevin and Fred community, part of EXP Realty, and partner with us today. You'll get free access to live trainings two or more times a month, live events and in-person masterminds, digital downloads to help you run and scale your business, and much, much more. To learn more and join our community, visit kevinandfred.com slash contact and contact us today. Not ready to join our community? No problem. Continue enjoying all this great content on our podcast for free.